0: How many of you like to hear good news? Good news is great, isn't it? Good news is wonderful. I I love hearing good news. I love it when I hear, you know, something good has happened to somebody I care about. I I love to hear good news when something good is gonna happen to me. Uh, That's the best kind of news, when something good is gonna happen to me. Uh, The best news I ever heard in my life, okay, the best news I ever heard in my life was December 31st, 2005. December 31st, 2005, it was 5 o'clock in the morning. Now, uh, back in those days, I did not wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I do now. I get up between 5 and 5.30 every day. But back then, I did not. I was more of a get up about whenever I felt like it kind of guy. Um, So on December 31st, 2005, my wife wakes me up at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I'm through sleepy eyes, I'm like, why am I awake? And she says, we're pregnant. Oh, man, we've been trying for a year and a half. And it's like... Ah, ah, and I just knew I was so excited. I was like, it's like, man, we're going to have a son. And and you may be thinking, wait, you're going to have a baby. No, we were going to have a son. (laughs) I knew. Why? Because I'm Jesus's favorite. And, uh, and sure enough, sure enough, gave me a son. Um, no, no, no. I, I, but I was so excited. I, could, I was making a list. Like, who am I going to tell? Who am I going to tell first? I got to call mom and dad. I got to tell mom and dad. We got to tell her parents. We got to tell my brothers and my sister. We got to tell my, her brother. We got to tell, oh, the church. We're serving a church in Forest Lake, Minnesota at the time. We got to tell the church. And, and I'll tell you what, it's funny. <laughs> Is uh, the following, a uh, couple weeks later, when we got ready to tell everybody, uh, we went up on stage. Uh, and uh, we're standing there on stage, like, we have an announcement to make. And every and there was, like, this audible gasp from the church. Like, <gasps> I'm like, what? They're like, you're not leaving, are you? It's like, no. What? We're, what do you mean? You think we're leaving? It's like, no, we're having a baby. And, like, the whole place erupted into applause. I, I would have wondered, I was wondering, like, if we had said, yes, we were leaving, if, like, the, there would have been more applause. But I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, we're not trying that here. Um, so... But we were so excited, we were so excited. This great news that we had heard, this, this awesome news that we couldn't wait to share. We couldn't wait to tell everybody the good news that we were gonna have a baby. And I mean, it was just, oh, I still get excited thinking about it that, you know, that little guy who has just changed my world in so many ways, uh, I love him so much. And uh, I just couldn't be more thankful that he is my son um, you know, good news changes us, doesn't it? And good news is great. Good news is great to hear. Good news is great to share. And that's what we do. When we hear good news, we, we share it. We tell other people good news because good news travels what fast. Good news travels fast. And, and it's true. Good news does travel fast. I, you know, I think about like, uh, you hear that someone's going to have a baby, right? And you just can't wait to share that with somebody. Did you hear my daughter's going to have a baby? Uh, did you hear? Uh, we're going to have our 17th grandchild. And, and, and for you grandparents, number 17 is just as exciting as the first one, right? Did you hear? So-and-so got a new job. Oh, that's great. Did you hear? So-and-so, they're buying a new house. Oh, that's wonderful. We love good news. We love to share good news. We love to talk about good news With other people and today i want to talk with you about some good news that some shepherds heard and that they shared with everyone we are gonna continue in our series called what a difference a day makes christmas edition i thought to myself you know what i was when i was writing the sermon i thought you know i should have called this sermon series what a difference christmas day makes but i'm not that smart so at least i wasn't at the time and now i Managed to put that together and ruin my beautiful picture. Anyway, so what a difference a day makes Christmas edition. That's what we're doing. Um, And uh, we are in Luke chapter 2 today, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. But before we do that, I just kind of want to give you an idea of where we're going over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Next week, I want you to invite your friends uh, to our Christmas services. We're going to talk about what a difference a day made for the entire world and what a difference a day can make in their lives, in the lives of your friends and family members who maybe don't know Jesus yet. But this is a time of year when people are more open to coming to church uh, because it's Christmas time and and they're actually more open to coming to church. So I want you to think about who you can invite to church next weekend, whether it's uh, Friday night at 6.30, Saturday night at 5.30, Sunday morning at 9.30 or 11. Invite someone to come and hear the good news about Christmas next weekend. We'd love for you to bring your friends, uh, to one of those four services. Um, and we're going to, like I said, we're going to talk about John three sixteen next year, next week, which doesn't sound like much of a Christmas verse, but it's like the best Christmas verse ever. So we're going to talk about that, uh, next week. Uh, and then for two weeks, we're going to talk about our 2020 vision. We're going to talk about, uh, kind of a recap of the year, the week after Christmas. And then we're going to look forward to the next year, uh, and celebrating our hundredth anniversary uh, as a church next year, um, the first Sunday, uh, first weekend in 2020. So that's where we're going over the next few weeks. Um, But for today, like I said, we are in Luke chapter 2. Last week, we talked about Mary. Uh, We talked about how she was an ordinary girl for whom God had an extraordinary plan and how she surrendered and submitted to the will of God and fulfilled the plan that he had for her life. And we saw how we need to do the same thing. We need to submit and surrender to the plan that God has for our lives. Um, And then uh, today, like I said, we're talking about some shepherds uh, who were like the lowliest of the low. They were the lowest rung on society's ladder. Uh, And we'll talk about what happened to them today. So if you got a Bible, turn to Luke 2. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It is on page 832 of that Bible. Or you can follow along on the GFCC app. If you haven't gotten the app yet, go ahead and go to your app store on your phone or tablet. Search for GFCC, you can download the app, and you can follow along with the sermon notes there. Um, So we are in Luke 2. We're going to take this uh, passage in five pieces. So the first one, we're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 3. So Luke 2, 1 through 3. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went, excuse me, to their own town to register. So here's the thing about censuses in those days. Uh, Starting in AD 6, the the sixth year after the birth of Christ, they started to do censuses on a regular basis every 14 years. And the Roman government uh, instituted these censuses. And and up until that, uh, up until before then, uh, they had them on occasion for taxation purposes to figure out how much taxes people needed to pay. Okay, so uh, this was the first census, Luke says, that took place while Quirinius was, ro- was governor of the Roman, era, uh, Roman region of Syria. Now, Syria is where Palestine was located, where Israel was. Now, you may be wondering to yourself, why does this make any difference? Why does Luke include these historical details? Well, the, the reason is, is very uh, simple. Uh, it's because Jesus was real. And so Luke points us to different people and regions and places that were real places to show that Jesus was not a mythological figure. He was not a, a made up fairy tale. He was not fictional. No, Jesus was a real person who lived in a real time, in a real place. And these historical markers show us that you know, this really happened. Jesus was really born of a virgin. And he really grew up, and he really went to the cross and died for your sins and mine. And he really rose again. And so that's what we learn about when we see these historical markers. Luke was a historian and possibly a physician, uh, scholars think. Um, And so he includes historical details to show us that Jesus was real. Let's keep going. Verses 4 through 7. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, Now that sounds maybe a little bit different than what you're used to hearing. And I wanna just kinda ruin your Christmas a little bit uh, and uh, ruin your uh, view of the nativity scene. So uh, just bear with me for just a second, okay? So there are some things about that we have discovered through archeology span and history uh, that show us that things aren't quite exactly maybe the way we picture them or the way that we imagine them. So here, uh, for example, he says, there was no guest room available for them. And that's true. In those days when you went back home for a census, you uh it 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 wasn't just your hometown but it was where you still owned property so joseph and his family still owned property in bethlehem which is why they went back why joseph and mary went back to bethlehem now bethlehem was about a hundred miles away from nazareth where they were from it took them about eight to ten days to get on foot to get from nazareth to bethlehem so they go to joseph's family's house in bethlehem there's no inn there's no mean innkeeper who says there's no room for them. And literally, it was Joseph's house. But the, the, there were so many people in town and so much family there that there was no guest room available for them to have this baby. And so what ended up happening is they went out behind the house to what was, either, uh, was probably a cave. Uh, scholars have, have discovered a cave where they think Jesus was actually born, and he was put in a manger. Now, this is what we picture, but it probably didn't look anything like this. It was actually probably a lot different even the manger itself was probably not a feed trough like we imagine it it was probably a hole in the ground where they filled it with hay and the animals would come and eat out of this uh hole in the ground where the hay was and they called it a manger uh, but a manger is just a fancy word for feed trough and you're thinking i hate you for ruining my christmas dreams i'm sorry I'm just trying to explain a little bit about, and and the reason is because I I want to be uh, factually accurate. Um, So uh, Jesus is born. um, uh, When the time comes and Jesus is born, uh, they put him in the manger, swaddling clothes and everything. uh, But it probably doesn't look exactly the way we thought it did. I mean, that's okay. The fact is, the most important thing is that Jesus was a real person who really lived, who really died, and really rose again. The little details, not as important as the fact that Jesus is real. Okay, keep going. Verse 8. And there were shepherds, this is really going to blow your minds. Uh, and, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. When angels show up, what do they say? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So there are these shepherds. And like I said, shepherds were the lowest of the low on the rung of society's ladder. They were low. all right, And and nobody thought much of shepherds. They were seen uh, as, as just misfits. And they were ostracized and... Uh, They were not accepted in society, Uh, so they're out there in the fields, you know, just doing whatever shepherds do, counting sheep, trying not to fall asleep at night. Now here's the thing about the calendar, okay, and this is going to blow your minds. Uh, This is probably not December when this takes place. You're thinking, wait a minute, what are you talking, I'm not listening to Sean. No, it's probably not December. Uh, The reason is because it's cold at night in December, and it's the rainy season. Okay, and so shepherds would not have been out. With, I, I looked it up on weather.com, Bethlehem in Palestine. Uh, the actual like, nighttime temperature is like 45 degrees. And that's a little chilly to be out there with the sheep. Uh, and like I said, it's also the rainy season. But um, if you look at the calendar, uh, you look and see when Zechariah was the priest serving in the temple. Now, Zechariah was John the Baptist's father. Zechariah was serving in the temple in June of the year before Jesus was born. And it says that after Zechariah served in the temple, he went home and John the Baptist was conceived. So probably late June, um, early July. And then Mary went to visit her relative Elizabeth in the sixth month of her pregnancy. Which means Mary went to see her probably in about December or January. Which means Mary would have conceived Jesus by the Holy Spirit in December, January. Nine months forward, Jesus was probably born in September. Which makes sense. Because, well, I mean, it doesn't make sense to us because we're like, no, it's December 25th. (laughs) It's not. In fact, uh, there's a whole thing about the Roman calendar and and Saturnalia and the winter solstice. you got Google, look it up. Um, But uh, like Jesus was probably born in September, which makes more sense because that's when the shepherds would be out in the fields. Because the temperature at night in Bethlehem in September is about 70 degrees. So I'm sorry to ruin Christmas for everybody. Uh, we're still going to celebrate in 10 days, I promise, OK? We're still going to celebrate in 10 days. i got presents to open, but uh, and so do you. Um, but again, the, the important thing is Jesus is real, right? That's what we've got to keep on reminding ourselves. Jesus is real, born in a real place, lived a real life, died a real death, and really rose again. So these shepherds are out in the fields with their flocks at night. And and all of a sudden, I mean, imagine you're a shepherd. You're out there just counting the sheep, trying not to fall asleep. All of a sudden, a light from heaven just shines. And an angel appears. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that's going to be for everybody. And I mean, what are you thinking? I mean, like when an emperor was born, when the Roman emperor was born, it was announced with a worldwide proclamation Uh, the the new emperor the 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 heir to the throne has been born a worldwide proclamation dignitaries would come kings would come and pay and and governors would come and pay homage to the the future emperor Uh, his birth was announced with a choir choirs would sing when the baby was born when the when the heir to the throne was born and, and what, is, what happens when Jesus is born? It's not all that. Check out this here, verse 13. It says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so when Jesus is born, it's not announced with a worldwide proclamation. It is an angel who talks to some lowly shepherds. And again, you're a shepherd just out in the fields with the sheep going, man, this is just the same thing, different day. Just my life as a shepherd stinks. I'll never be anything more. And man, I wish wish something would happen. (laughs) Boom light hits you in the face angel you know hey guys guess what messiah is here and then all of a sudden just the, the sky just bursts into color and light and all these angels start singing glory to god in the highest if i'm a shepherd i am freaking out what is going on yes a choir sang at the birth of jesus but it wasn't some earthly choir it was a heavenly choir His birth was not attended by dignitaries and governors and kings. It was attended by shepherds. It wasn't announced to the whole world. It was just announced to a couple of guys out in the field with some sheep. What a contrast. The king of kings and the lord of lords. Born in a humble, lowly manger. And not in the palace of a king. Probably like he should have been. But I think, you know what? I think the reason why... That Jesus could identify with us, and we could identify with him. That Jesus was a lot like us, so that we could become a, a lot like him. Let's keep going. Verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, there's a word that is used in there that is used over and over and over again throughout the book of Luke. So if if you're reading the book of Luke, we put out a a reading plan a couple of weeks ago. And if you're reading through the book of Luke, or if you've ever read through the book of Luke, look for this word. It's the word amazed. And and Luke uses this word over amazed, astonished, astonished. Uh, He uses the word awe over and over and over again. I did a sermon series once through the book of Luke called The Amazing Story of Jesus. And because he uses this word all the time, just how amazing Jesus' story really is. Um, So the shepherds tear off, they go into Bethlehem. And again, Bethlehem, a little town of Bethlehem, that is an accurate description. It was just a little tiny town. And if Jesus is in this cave with Mary and Joseph and he's laying in the manger, it would have been very easy for the shepherds to find him. And so they find the baby and then they go and they tell everybody they can about the baby. They go and tell everyone they can the good news that they heard from the angel. And they found the baby just as the angel said they would. And so they go and they tell everybody about Jesus. And then it says they returned and glorified and praised God. And so I want to encourage you today to do one of three things. And I want to encourage you to be like the shepherds. And and the first way I want you to be like a shepherd is if if you're skeptical, I mean, if you are cynical about Christmas and skeptical about Jesus, I want to encourage you to be like the shepherds. Go and see. Go and see. In other words, go and investigate. Investigate the the claims of Christianity. Investigate the claims of Christ. Investigate the claims of Christmas i got a great tool that you could use. It's it's a little book called The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. It's available for $2.81 on Amazon, brand new. Prime shipping, you can have it by Tuesday. And if you're skeptical about Christianity, if you're skeptical about Christmas, if you have doubts about the story of Jesus, I encourage you, pick up this little book, $2.81 on Amazon, The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel, and read this tiny little book about, the, about what the first Christmas was all about and how this, is, this amazing story of Jesus is really true. But don't just sit there in your skepticism and say, oh, I don't believe it. I'm skeptical and I, 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 don't, I don't believe this, this Christianity stuff. I don't, I don't believe this Jesus stuff. No, do the investigation, do the hard work, and determine and, and do the research and find out, yeah, either Jesus is real or Jesus is not. But don't just sit there and go, I don't really believe it without doing any research do the research go and see go and see who jesus really is the fact that he is a human he was a human being he really lived and he really died for your sins and for mine so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life that if you'll put your faith and trust in jesus christ by believing in him and repenting from your sinful life confessing your faith and getting baptized God will wash away your sins and he will fill you with a purpose like you've never known. He will give your life meaning and joy and purpose. And and he will change everything and your destiny will be transformed. And it starts when you go and see. If you are a believer in Jesus, I have a challenge for you today. And that's to go and tell. Go and tell. Tell. You know people, I know people. We know people who don't know Jesus yet. And we need to go and tell them who Jesus is and what a difference he makes. We need to go and tell people that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died for their sins. I'm going to encourage you to, like I said, I encourage you already today, but I'm going to encourage you to invite somebody to come for Christmas services next weekend. Let us do the heavy lifting and let us tell the story all you got to do is say you know what i'd love for you to come to church with me next weekend i got a great church i love my church i love my church family and i'd love for you to meet some people i'd love for you to experience what we get to experience every weekend at this amazing church called gfcc so invite a friend or two to join you next weekend it could be a coworker, could be a family member could be a neighbor could be a bitter enemy who knows right just invite someone to come to christmas services next weekend Friday night, 630, Saturday night, 530, Sunday morning, 930 or 11, but go and tell what a difference Jesus has made in your life because Jesus makes all the difference. And I want you to help somebody else discover what Christmas is really all about, because let's face it, we get cynical this time of year with the consumerism and the materialism and we get cynical with the hustle and the bustle and it's just like, it's just too much. You know, having to go out and buy fourteen hundred gifts and spend ten thousand dollars—and have you seen these commercials with the people who are buying each other cars for Christmas? <laughs> Is this real? I mean, are you? I mean, if you want to buy somebody a car for Christmas, Pastor Sean would love a Toyota. Uh, Highlander or Camry or anything and I'll take one if you are so desperate to buy somebody a car for Christmas Pastor Sean will gladly take one off your hands but we get so cynical this time of year and Christmas has lost all its meaning we need to get back to the original meaning of Christmas and we need to help people do that we need to go and tell people what Christmas is really all about lastly go and praise go and praise Praise God for what he's done. Praise God for the blessings he's given you this past year. Praise God for the blessing of Jesus. Praise God for the blessing of his grace, for the blessing of his mercy, for the blessing of his forgiveness. When the shepherds went and they saw the baby Jesus and then they went and they told everybody about it, it says they returned and glorified God and praised him. And so my encouragement to you is go and praise. Think about all the ways that God has blessed your life and praise him for everything he's done. You know, like I said, it can be so easy to be cynical. It can be so easy to be bogged down in, in Christmas and what it's become that we forget what it's really all about. But when we get back to the manger, when we get back to the original story, when we get back to who Jesus is and what he did and why he came, it, we have we have nothing else, no other response other than to praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit, three in one, like we sang earlier. We praise God. And we glorify Him. And we honor Him. Because He is worthy of all blessing, honor, glory, and praise. So my challenge for you today, be like the shepherds and recapture the wonder of Christmas. Be like the shepherds And recapture the wonder of Christmas because Christmas is a wonderful story and the best part is it's true it is a true story about a God who pursued a people a creation that had rebelled against him that had turned against him that had sinned against him and we are the offenders and yet God is the offended and he is the one who reached out to us He is the one who invaded earth from heaven by coming here and living among us and being God with us, teaching us and showing us that we never have to be lonely again. We never have to be afraid again. We never have to worry again because God came to be with us so that we could one day go and be with him. So recapture the amazing wonder of Christmas. And when you do, share it my question for you today is who will you share the wonder of Christmas with this year? Who are you going to share the wonder of Christmas with? I want you to think about that person today and tomorrow. And who is that person you're going to invite to Christmas services this year? Who needs to hear some hope? Who needs to hear a message of God's love and grace and forgiveness? Who do you know that needs to hear what Christmas is all about? Because they've lost that Christmas wonder. They've lost that Christmas spirit. Who can you share that with this week? So that they will learn, so that they will know when they hear about the story of Jesus, when they will know and understand what a difference a day makes.